the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning and welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Flow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, that's the hype. Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Fall is here. The days are getting cooler and after we get through some showers today, the week ahead looks like sunshine with highs in the low 70s and cool nights. What could be better than that? So let's get outside and enjoy ourselves. Being outside in the backyard or in the park seems to be the safest place in the world. And have you noticed the days are getting shorter and chillier? The sun doesn't come up until almost 7.30. And it sets a little after 7.15. I remember a month ago when the alarm would go off at uh, 7 o'clock and the sun would be up and bright and shining through the windows. We know that it's going to get worse as we move into October and it'll gradually keep on getting worse until we're finally into January. And at that time, we'll be going to work in the dark, coming home in the dark, and that'll be the the end of any outdoor activity. So let's take the time to get outside and enjoy the fall weather and the fall colors. And while you're in the backyard doing something, you'll probably notice those extra jobs that need to be done before the winter gets here, like taking in the ceramic flower pot or doing those repair jobs before the uh, weather changes for the worst getting the snowblower in shape and things of that nature. And now is a great time to also go on a hike or a bike ride through the woods and along the county uh, back roads. This is also the time to plan some some short-term trips. They used to be called one-tank trips, but uh, trips where you can enjoy the, the fall colors as you drive along or trips to get... One last memory of summer, like a trip up to Kelly's Island or uh, maybe Little Bass. Uh, Besides, the more time you spend outside enjoying life and appreciating life, the less time you have to worry about the annex of the economy and the stock market. This week, global equities are mostly mixed, although in the United States, the three major uh, equity indices were up, but in the UK and the European Union, 
equities were down. While Asia was mixed, uh, China was down, uh, Japan was up. On Friday, <clears throat> the, our market closed at uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average, closed at 34,798. That means it was up six tenths of 1% for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 closed at 4,455.48. That means it was up uh, half of 1% for the week. And an ASDAQ closed at 15,047.70. Uh, and that meant it was up, well, it was basically flat because it was up <clears throat> two hundredths of 1%. So, the indices are up for the quarter, but below their highest, uh, their latest highs. <clears throat> the results probably would have been better, uh, but hey, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding this uh, COVID pandemic, and uh, particularly with its very transmissible Delta variant, and basically that has slowed our economy as well as the uh, uh, slowing the global economy too. Everybody has these problems of. Uh, <clears throat> trying to overcome the uh, COVID. Uh, the markets did seesaw this week, and we're on Monday, attention focused on possible default of a huge Chinese real estate development firm called uh, Evergrande Group. And uh, it's an enormous privately owned company in China with yearly revenues of, of approximately $70 billion and hundreds of projects in more than 200 uh, Chinese cities. So the possibility of a default uh, caused concern about uh, the contagion across the global credit markets, and this also uh, caused concern among U.S. bond investors who had bought the dollar-denominated Evergrande bonds, uh, some of which had basically fallen to 26 cents on the dollar. And by Wednesday, <clears throat> investors uh, had forgotten about the Evergrande, and uh, they were focusing now on the Federal Reserve Federal Open Market Committee meet meeting that met Tuesday and Wednesday. And uh, what did the Federal Open Market Committee uh, uh, decide? Well, uh, we'll talk about that later in the show in, in great detail. But in an overall capsule review, uh, the Federal Reserve talked about uh, starting their tapering of their $120 billion a month bond buying operation, uh, possibly by the end of the year or early next year, and finishing the taper of the bond buying by the uh, second half of next year. Uh, then they would just sit and wait and uh, see what happens before they increase their federal funds rate. So just to do the tapering does not indicate does not indicate that they're going to increase that federal funds rate. Uh, they're going to wait and see before they do that. So uh, the Federal Reserve news, news basically on Wednesday helped the U.S. stock uh, uh, stage a comeback, you know, where investors were encouraged that the Federal Reserve was not about to prematurely tighten monetary policy. You know, one of the things we've seen in this whole thing is that, um, you know, to get this uh, economy coming back from its uh, recession in uh, February, March, and April of last year, the uh, federal government has poured $6 trillion into the um, fiscal stimulus, that's the checks and the loans and all the rest of the stuff. And the unemployment uh, bonuses and things of this nature, and the Federal Reserve has also poured $4 trillion. So you're looking at a recovery that has, has basically $10 trillion uh, pushing it up. So it's it's going to get up there in, regardless of the, the COVID. The COVID is just a, a basically an anchor that's holding us back right now. And uh, other positive news, this week, the, uh, the Center for Disease Control that expanded the group eligible for the Pfizer booster shots to millions of frontline workers. Up until now, uh, the booster shots 
you know, by booster, I mean you've had your two shots from uh, Pfizer or Moderna and the, the one shot from uh, Johnson & Johnson, uh, and then you're, you're immunized, okay? You've been vaccinated and you're immunized. But uh, now they're talking about booster shots. And uh, Friday, the uh, Center for Disease Control Director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, uh, overruled their own advisors and recommended that the uh, Pfizer booster for healthcare workers and others at risk. So this opens the uh, opens the door for for millions of uh, frontline workers, you know, the nurses and the other people. And the Pfizer booster <clears throat> had been approved because, and it, and they'll also uh, probably approve the uh, Moderna and the Johnson and Johnson if, if when and if they get their uh, data together. But uh, that was approved because studies have shown that while the uh, Pfizer and Moderna double-shot vaccinations uh, provide 95% effectivity early on, the protection degrades with time. So the effectivity goes from 95% if you've been newly uh, vaccinated to about 65% after about uh, seven to eight months. So... Uh, the booster shot was in, in, instituted to get back to that uh, 95% uh, level again. Uh, basically, uh, the booster shots are uh, basically another weapon that will help us overcome the COVID pandemic. And, uh, and then looking at the COVID pandemic right now, uh, it began to ramp up in July, the number of cases and hospitalization and deaths began to ramp up in July because of this new Delta variant. And uh, uh, the latest results show that it's beginning to ramp down now. And uh, the, so the, the, uh, the latest ramp up appears to have been, appears to have been uh, peaked and it's receding. And the latest results show that uh, every day we're seeing about 126. 123,000 new cases, but that's down down 16% over the last two weeks. And uh, we're seeing 88,000 people hospitalized, and that's down 14% over the last two weeks. But we're still seeing uh, approximately 2,100 people dying each day from the COVID, and uh, that's up 20% over the last two weeks. But the number of deaths generally uh, follows the uh, uh, the uh, hospitalizations by about a month. So it's expected that the number of deaths per day will go down in, in the near future. So basically, as far as the COVID is concerned, the war isn't over. We thought it was over. Uh, when did we think it was over? There was a, <laughs> there was a time. Yeah, I think it was uh, May and June where... Uh, uh, people were becoming much more relaxed and much more uh, uh, into a normal stage of life. And then suddenly this Delta variant comes along and things are, uh, what's the latest and the greatest? So uh, we're in that stage right now where we're, the war isn't over and we do have a way to go before we beat this COVID. But <clears throat> I think the arsenal, our arsenal of weapons against it is increasing. So It'll be just a matter of time. And more volatility uh, could be coming in the stock market over the next four weeks. Uh, uh, that'll be due to Washington, you know, because as Congress and the administration, they've got a full plate uh, and uh, they got a short time fuse to get, the, uh, get their act together. The first one is keeping the U.S. government operating past September 30th because they have to appropriate the federal budget and for fiscal 2022, the federal government uh, fiscal year runs from October 1st to September 30th, which is, you know, today's the, the uh, 25th. So we're, we're closing in on the 30th pretty fast. Uh, so the budget for fiscal 2022 
<clears throat> has to be appropriated and signed by September 30th or the government shuts down. Well, the government has shut down previously, and uh, uh, and the it's a an event when it happens, but it generally doesn't have any lasting damage. The other thing is the the Congress has to raise the national debt ceiling. National debt ceiling uh, hit twenty eight point five trillion. That was the limit at the end of uh, August. But uh, the Treasury Department says that they can keep paying the bills until mid uh, October without having to issue any any more bonds. So uh, that's what the uh, uh, Congress also has to do. And uh, then there are uh, two big bills uh, coming down the pike. One is the uh, Build Better, what is it, Build Back Better Act. That's worth three and a half trillion, or a guesstimate of three and a half trillion. And the other one's the Bipartisan Infrastructure Framework Act, which is worth one trillion. So uh, we've got to raise the debt ceiling, we've got to fund the uh, uh, the federal government and we, for the next uh, year, and we've also got to uh, address these two four and a half trillion dollars worth of money or bills that are coming down on a very tight schedule. So <clears throat> there, there obviously is going to be uh, a lot of uh, uh, false starts here with regard to getting everybody on board as to what the three and a half trillion really represents, and uh, uh, getting people to uh, say, "Hey, let's be more definitive about what you're asking for," and that's also with regard to the taxes that are necessary to pay for these things. So, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said to House of Representatives, "We take up both bills this week. Um, that'll be a, a circus." Uh, the uh, Three and a half trillion dollar Build Back Better Act will be done with a, a, the budget reconciliation procedure, uh, where you need a simple majority, and that'll be uh, probably provided by the Democratic uh, group. And the other one, the one trillion dollar bipartisan infrastructure act, that'll be uh, that has passed the Senate already, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, that's probably the only one that you could really uh, count on to get through this thing. Uh, there appears to be a lot of disagreement in Congress here, particularly with regard to the three and a half trillion dollar uh, Build Back Better Act uh, disagreements on what's in the bill, what are the costs, the taxes associated. So, you know, it's one of those may you live in interesting times type things. So, <clears throat> and where where's the money going to come from? Uh, with regard to, uh, I touched on this last week, the uh, high-income households that face a series of uh, uh, tax increases. The basic uh, uh, top income tax will increase to 90, or not 90, to 39.6% from 37%. And that top bracket starts at 400000 for individuals at 450000 for married couples. So uh, the proposal also calls for a 3% surcharge on individuals and married couples with adjusted gross income over $5 million. I can't imagine how many people are in that category. Uh, the people, uh, the plan would also increase the long-term capital gains and dividend rates uh, to 25% from 20%. Uh, and that 20% uh, <coughs> And 20% presently applies for uh, long-term capital gains uh, to individuals, uh, singles, uh, making more than 441000 and married couples making almost 500000 So they're going <clears> to <throat> gonna increase the, uh, the uh, capital gain uh, from 20% on those people to 25 And... Uh, and that combined with the existing 3.8 investment income tax uh, could raise that uh, 25% to an even higher number. Uh, 
the capital gains increase would be effective. This is the plan that hasn't been approved yet. Would be effective as of Monday, September 13th. You know, and in that provision is in there to preclude investors selling assets at the end of the year to get the lower uh, capital gains rates. So uh, they also cut the uh, federal estate tax exclusion in half, and uh, the uh, exclusion had been scheduled to expire after 2025, and that would now be moved up to the end of this year. And uh, and that the the exclusion basically presently is for 11.6 million for individuals and 23 million uh, for couples in the sense that <clears throat> if you total up your estate upon death and uh, uh, if the estate exceeds the 11.6 million then you're facing a federal estate tax of uh, 40% above that. Uh, that's after you uh, take out deductions for charities and things of this nature. Uh, but uh, uh, they're going to cut that in half from 11.6 and 23 million to uh, six and 12 uh, million. Six for individuals and 12 for um, couples. And uh, business tax, they're still talking about the 26.5% increase for the minimum corporate tax from 21%. Uh, and also, they they would have lesser amounts for smaller companies. And the proposal would also pair back the uh, tax break for businesses that pay taxes on their owners' individual tax returns. Those are S-Corps and limited liability companies and things of this nature and uh, partnerships. And and uh, they would face caps on the deductions uh, that they got in 2017 so in the in the big picture, what it, this is is a gross overview of the new tax plan uh, that's part of the three point five trillion dollar bill, and uh, there's a lot of details and a lot of uh, you know what Congress does and the lobbyists do. They insert all sorts of little uh, goodies into these uh, uh, plans and. Uh, uh, the way that this is uh, rolling along, we'll probably hear about this after they pass it, uh, several months after they pass it. So uh, the tax plan is in flux. Uh, you know, it's, it was the product of the, the House Ways and Means Committee, and it will certainly be uh, negotiated in the before it's voted on in the House of Representatives and also in the Senate. So in the big picture, you know, we're talking about <clears throat> things that are happening. But in the big picture, you know, uh, you know, we look at the economy and our investments, and well, the, the COVID pandemic has introduced uncertainty in the economy. The U.S. economy is proving very resilient in the face of, the, of this Delta variant. You know, job openings have never been more plentiful. Unemployment is uh, gone down and is basically plateauing right now. We'll talk about that later. Uh, in, in the, uh, people are spending uh, money in the retailers. That's up uh, uh, seven cents of one percent for August. And uh, you know, with the back to school uh, effort right now, there's all sorts of uh, consumption uh, consumer uh, buying. Inflation has maybe appeared to be stabilizing in August. That's according to the CPI report. And uh, the CPI report now shows that uh, the uh, consumer price index year over year, as measured from uh, August backward, is up 5.3%. Uh, and then if you take out food and fuel, uh, which are the two of the big movers, in that consumer price index, it goes down to 4%, which is a pretty hefty number. Both of those numbers are, are pretty hefty numbers, and those are numbers that uh, the government takes a look at in terms of what's the long-term uh, prognosis for the economy. 
and industrial production increased in August is basically six point uh, over six percent above where it was uh, August of last year. And uh, if we take a look at manufacturing in New York and also along the Eastern Seaboard, to get an idea, there's it's not a it's not a uh, doesn't make into, into account manufacturing everywhere in the United States. But in those two particular areas, the surveys of the managers uh, say that uh, 46% of the managers says that uh, uh, September results are better than August. And uh, uh, so the, the, the manufacturing business, I think, is in good shape. Uh, this news, this uh, week, we got news from housing. And according to the National Association of Realtors, existing home uh, sales decreased 2% in August, but the houses are moving, and they're moving fast and miserably. 87% of the homes that were sold in in uh, August were only on the market for less than a month. Uh, we'll talk about those details later, too. And then new home construction. New home construction continues to move as fast as it can. Uh, basically, what you're seeing there is that... Uh, uh, permits uh, year to date. Looking at permits from uh, year to date, uh, comparing year to date 2021 to year to date 2020, the permits are up 25.5 uh, percent, and the starts are up 23.8 uh, percent. Uh, so, you know, all these indicate that the economy is in uh, is in healthy shape. It still has to come back the the, uh, the COVID and the uncertainties involved with the COVID. Uh, but ten trillion dollars worth of stimulus is still pushing this economy along. And uh, uh, to me, uh, that's an indication that uh, uh, the economy will continue to move forward as well as the um, the uh, you know help the stock market too. So. In the big picture, uh, we we have problems, but we're overcoming the problems. How about in the, in terms of your particular financial plan? In other words, when we get to right down to it, uh, your financial plan and how your family is doing is dependent upon what's happening in the in the overall economy uh, and in, in your stock market affects your 401k and your investments and things of this nature. But uh, the most important thing is, uh, are you on track uh, to meet your financial uh, goals? Uh, have you have you defined those financial goals? Uh, they're pretty simple. In, in, in the big picture, they're pretty simple. Uh, you're young. You're interested in a, uh, uh, an apartment and a car. And then as you get older, it's a matter of uh, uh, becoming interested in settling down, uh, starting a family, uh, then you're interested in uh, buying a house, or uh, then you're interested in in uh, educating the children and the standards of living for the family. And then finally, you're looking at uh, retirement. And... Uh, in any of those cases, you could put down your goals on a piece of paper, and everybody is different, everybody's individual, but uh, what you'll see is that uh, those goals are expensive, and what you have to do is realize that you do have revenues, income coming in, and if you do take a look at your uh, income over a 40 or 50 or 60 year period, uh, you know, the average worker is going to be working for basically uh, 20 to uh, 65. So you're looking at a minimum of 45 years. How much are you going to make uh, during that particular time? It's going to be a huge number. And uh, basically, what you have to do is manage that so that you can pay your taxes, pay your debts, uh, uh, save enough money, or and how do you save it uh, to be able to uh, apportion 
the money that comes in each month or each two two weeks or whatever to be able to apportion that money to different uh, funds that support different goals. Maybe it's the uh, uh, maybe right now uh, your situation is it's a down payment for the house. Uh, maybe it's the kids' education. Maybe it's the your retirement fund. All these things basically have to be identified, and you have to essentially uh, uh, save the money, invest the money, help the money grow, and uh, for years until you actually need that money to meet your financial goals. And that's basically what we do. Uh, it may, you know, we do this for for thousands of people, and it may be new to you, but it's not new to us. And uh, but we do take into account every person, every investor as an individual, and try to uh, accommodate or try to uh, make sure that they. Uh, have a financial plan, they can meet their expectations. But if, if they're shooting for the moon, if they've got a champagne taste and a beer budget, uh, it, it's a matter of uh, of uh, coming to grips with uh, how to make the the, uh, uh, the plan work. It's either you know, bring down the expectations, or you have to bring up the revenues. So uh, that's. That your that's your financial plan that you have to pay attention to. You can give us a call at our toll free number if you got any questions. If you got any questions regarding your financial plan or what's going on in the in the big picture? Give us a call. We have this uh, toll free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. That's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call. Our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. Let's go to the phone line. Hello, this is Jim McAleese. How can I help you this morning? Well, you can help by painting a better picture of what the real economy looks like, sir, because my oh, wife and I... Oh, what does the real economy look like? Go ahead, tell me. Go ahead. Well... My gasoline is up sixty-five percent over a year ago. Instead of yep. paying a dollar eighty-seven for gas, I'm paying three dollars and nineteen cents for gas. Okay, mm-hmm. and instead of paying what we've been paying for meat over a year mm-hmm. ago, we're paying twenty-five percent more for meat. Our grocery right. prices are out of sight. And there's one thing that you you forgot to mention in that wonderful three and a half trillion. Destroy America Better Bill, the hiring of 87,000 federal agents to monitor everybody's savings accounts for a transaction that is $600 or more. So when let, we're let, talking let, about hold, hold an economy hold, 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 that's resilient, hold, hold I don't think it's resilient at all. I think it's in the let me Let me tell you 
where your where your inflation is coming from. Okay. I know where uh, my inflation is oil, coming from. Biden. Oil is coming. Hold on just a second. Hold, oil is coming from overseas as well as the United States. Oil is a global commodity, and basically you're up to $70 a barrel. And, uh, That's right, because he closed because the Keystone Pipeline. The Keystone Pipeline was closed. No. That's no, why no, our oil prices it, are up. Would you kindly settle down, please? You, you, no, settle down. I want the truth. And the truth is, this moron no, has taken our economy it, into the toilet. All right. I'm going to dump. Okay. Basically, why you're seeing gasoline at a high price is because the oil is at a high price. If you recall uh, earlier in the year, a barrel of oil got down to $25 a barrel. And basically, we had cheap oil and cheap gasoline at that time. But now, uh, what you're seeing right now is that oil is up to 70-something a barrel. And basically, OPEC in, and Russia, it's called OPEC Plus, but it's OPEC and Russia are driving that price. And they're going to uh, drive that price even higher uh, as the global economy gets better. Right now, the whole global economy is constrained by the the uh, COVID. But these nations, like the uh, the Arab nations and Russia, <clears throat> they look to that uh, oil price as funding their national budgets. So they would love to see that oil price up to a hundred dollars a barrel. When it was up to a hundred twenty dollars a barrel years ago, they were ecstatic. But then came along the uh, uh, the financial problems and it, the oil prices collapsed and now it's coming back again. So you are going to see higher uh, oil prices because the United States really doesn't govern the price of oil. Uh, the other thing is food prices. Uh, food prices are also going up and uh, uh, part of that is due to the uh, uh, issues about uh, the COVID and the uh, uh, the uh, food processing plant, uh, part of that is due to, uh, uh, for a while there, uh, China had cut back on their buys of uh, U.S. Uh, farm products and U.S. pork and things of this nature. But now China is basically back in the ball game in terms of uh, U.S. buys of agricultural products. So uh, in all these cases, you're going to see prices go up. Uh, and these are the prices we notice all the time. I can talk to you about uh, CPI numbers like uh, 4% or the core CPI year over uh, over the last 12 months and 5.3% uh, or uh, the uh, highlight uh, CPI numbers. But <clears throat> those are, those are, those are things that you include stuff like automobiles and housing and stuff like that. We notice uh, food prices because we buy food all the time, and we notice gasoline prices because we pump that gas all the time. So you're going to see uh, prices go up. You know, the uh, Federal Reserve talks about a transitory uh, inflation, but uh, uh, when this and Part of this inflation is due to this, the uh, recovery has been so strong and so broad that it's basically caught most companies flat-footed. Uh, they don't have the manpower. They don't have the workers. They don't have the uh, inventory. So what everybody is doing, all the companies are doing, is working off their present inventory, going back to their suppliers, telling their suppliers that, hey, we need a bigger order, the suppliers are just saying, hey, we're overwhelmed. Uh, I was relating to you the other day that uh, uh, the uh, CEO of, uh, I think it's, uh, it's a German name, it's a Mersk or something like that. It's on the side of these big uh, container ships. Uh, he was saying that the, the thing that would get him out of the, out of the, the, the thing that would unlock all the problems in 
the overseas uh, shipping is that the United States would import less goods because the the importation of goods from around the world has basically clogged up the uh, the shipping. You know, we've got uh, 67 ships off of uh, Long Beach right now that uh, are waiting uh, to be unloaded. And uh, uh, it's the same with the railroads getting into the uh, ports, and it's the same thing as the the trucks. Uh, There aren't enough trucks, there aren't enough uh, uh, shipping containers. And uh, in his words, hey, if this thing would only stop, he could he could get himself he could get his organization running efficiently again. But he, right now he's overwhelmed with orders, and most of your <clears throat> most of your manufacturers, the backlogs are going up, uh, the production is going up, the orders are going up, and what you're seeing is that's uh, a great opportunity for increasing the price. So you are going to see price increases. It may be, hopefully, uh, as all this, you know, as maybe we, we find other suppliers or the people, the companies build up their inventories, all this uh, strain on the system will relax and we can get the inflation down again. But we're not going, I don't think, my estimation, we're not going down to one and a half percent anymore. We're going to come down to maybe two, two and a half, and maybe and maybe even three percent in the future. So uh, it's just a sign of a, of a going, going economy. Yeah, I'll stop preaching and I'll say, okay, give us a call. Our number here is 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. You give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Now, one of the things we talked about was, hey, uh, are Americans or consumers spending? Yes. You know, the numbers show up in the existing home sales. You've got uh, existing home sales are, are have been great. And basically what we're seeing from... Uh, July uh, and August. August uh, sales were down 2%. I guess according to the National Association of Realtors, and that includes single-family homes, townhouses, condos, and co-ops. But the annual rate for selling homes is uh, 5.9 million homes a year. So that's a lot of homes to be moving. And what you're seeing is that... uh, uh, according to Lawrence Young, who is the National Association of Realtors uh, chief economist, uh, quote, sales slipped a bit in August as prices rose nationwide. Although there was a decline in home purchases, potential buyers were out and out and searching, but uh, much more measured in their financial limits and simply waiting for more inventory. The pace is still higher. Oh, the, the pace of home sales is still higher than it was before the COVID pandemic, uh, but the supply of homes for sale is is tight. Uh, housing inventory was down 1.5 percent from uh, July and down 13.4 percent from a year ago, and uh, homes for sale are at a 2.6 month supply at the current. The sales pace, and so that should that that should be that number uh, inventory for sales should be in the other five or six months, but it's down to uh, two point six months. So there's a lot of demand, and it's basically the the demand is exceeding the supply, and home prices have been going up because of the demand and the tight supply, the medium home price for all housing types in, in August. Three hundred and fifty-six thousand seven hundred dollars, and that was up uh, 
14.9%. It's bigger, 15% from a year ago, from August a year ago. Uh, the, the only consolation is that uh, a month ago, that 15% was actually 18%, according to the numbers from August, showed that uh, year over year the prices had increased 18%. Well, in uh, September, they only increased uh, 15%. How will, is that that a trend? I don't think so. But uh, Lawrence Young said, I hope prices uh, are because of uh, the lack of supply. And uh, and homes are moving. You know, everybody's heard stories about bidding wars in uh, in Cleveland, which is which is unheard of, but it's happening. And uh, properties that remain on the properties typically remain on the market for 17 days in August, and that was unchanged from July. And basically, 87 percent of the homes that were sold in August on the market for less than a month. So what you're seeing is that uh, things are moving. And uh, um, and one big reason for things moving is that according to the uh, uh, Freddie Mac, the average commitment rate for a 30-year conventional fixed rate mortgage was 2.84% in August. And uh, if you're taking a look at uh, single-family, talking strictly about single-family homes, uh, the median price for this newest, uh, for the single-family homes is 363800 So in our particular area in the Midwest, existing home sales fell 1.4% on an annual basis. Uh, and that's a 2.1% from a, from a year ago. And the median price uh, in the Midwest was 272200 which is a, a jump of 10.5% from August of uh, 2020. Same, so houses are moving. People have money. They're spending. New home construction is also moving as fast as it possibly can. You know, in new home construction, uh, what you're seeing is that uh, uh, they're, they're running... Uh, they're running into operational constraints in terms of uh, the uh, lumber prices were up, but the lumber prices have come down. Uh, but still, in all the, the problems with the lack of skilled labor, uh, the uh, materials like toilets and tubs and everything else and, and, uh, is uh, constrained uh, by the suppliers. It, you get a you get an order and half the order is uh, is back ordered, and uh, so in August, comparing August home building to July home building, uh, overall, including uh, single family homes and condos and all the rest, permits were up six percent, and from uh, July starts were up four uh, percent, and if you compare them to a year ago. August of uh, 2021 versus August of 2020, uh, permits were up 13.5%, starts were up 17.4%. So that gives you an idea how how the uh, new construction market is performing. Now, if you take a look at uh, construction right now, construction, new home construction is uh, changing from uh, single-family homes to more uh, multi-family homes. Uh, if you take a look at uh, August numbers, August numbers so that uh, for single-family permits were up six-tenths of a percent, but for multi-family, they were up 19.7%. For starts in August, they were down 2.8% from July uh, for single-families and multi-families, uh, they were up 21.6%. So if you compare August of this year versus August of last year, single-family home permits were down one-tenth of a percent. Multi-family permits were up 52%. And the starts for single-family August 
uh, versus August a year ago. We're up 5.2%. Multifamily starts are up 60%. And if you take a look at the uh, year-to-date numbers, January 1st to August for 2021 versus 2020, single-family permits were up 25%. Multifamilies were up 26.9%. Starts were up 23.8%. And uh, for single families and multifamilies was 16.6%. So basically, a new home construction is on a tear. And the thing that is limiting new home construction is basically uh, the operational constraints. We can't get the parts. We can't get the materials. We can't get the labor. Uh, but what we're doing with what we've got is the fastest we can go. And... Uh, there, there's a home building confidence studies, and this uh, is put out by the National Association of Home Builders. And for the report, builder confidence inched up in September on lower lumber prices and strong housing demand, uh, even as a, even as the housing market continues to grapple with building materials, supply chains, and labor challenges. So. Uh, <clears throat> Let's talk about the uh, what's going on in the Federal Reserve. You know, the Federal Reserve basically is one of the uh, is providing four trillion dollars of uh, monetary stimulus to this uh, uh, recovery, and uh, uh, basically the federal balance sheet stands right now at about uh, eight uh, trillion dollars. That's the number of bonds uh, that they're covering right now. And about $5.5 trillion of that is treasuries, and about $2.5 trillion of that is mortgage-backed securities from Fannie and Freddie and Ginny and wherever. These are, these are government-backed uh, lending organizations. So the two big things that they're doing in terms of the monetary stimulus is keeping the interest rates down as low as possible. That's so that the companies can borrow money and the companies can go out. The big companies are, are flush with cash now. They've been out selling bonds. They got more money than they know what to do with. And uh, the Federal Reserve is also buying bonds to the tune of $120 billion a month, $80 billion of, of uh, treasuries and $40 billion of mortgage-backed securities. And uh, also keeping the federal funds rates down to uh, basically zero. And uh, if you if you take a look at uh, uh, the uh, transcript from uh, the Federal Open Market Committee meeting, uh, you know, quoting the day the Federal Open Market Committee kept interest rates at zero maintained our current pace of asset purchases. That was $120 billion we were talking about. These measures, along with our strong guidance on interest rates and our balance sheet, will ensure the monetary policies will continue to support the economy until the recovery is complete. But later, they say, Congress uh, progress on the vaccinations and also providing strong report for the recovery. And now down to what we're really interested in. Uh, inflation is elevated or remains so in the coming months before moderating. As the economy continues to reopen We are con- and rebound, we are looking, seeing upward pressure on prices, particularly because supply bottlenecks in some sections. Sectors have limited how quickly production can respond in the near term. So, uh, they will, the inflation, inflation will abate and, and is expected to drop towards our long-term uh, goals. And at our meeting that was uh, concluded earlier today, the committee continues to discuss the progress made towards the adopted as asset purchase plan last December. Uh, if progress continues broadly at as expected, the committee judges that the moderation and the pace of purchases will soon be warranted. And uh, while no decisions were made 
participants generally view that as long as recovery remains on track and gradual tapering uh, will conclude around the middle of next year and will start early this early next year and conclude by the middle of next year. So uh, basically what they're saying is that what they're going to do is taper, and that's going to cause the uh, interest rate on the longer maturity bonds to increase. And once they're fully done tapering operation, then they're going to look at moving that, uh, uh, moving the, uh, the federal funds rate uh, probably sometime in uh, maybe like 2023. So, so we're going to see interest rates increase uh, maybe as uh, starting next year and continue on from there. So we'll talk about part of that next and next next uh, week's show, too. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Your Slow. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. Last year, I had reached the end of my rock garden, and I found a tiny little plant that I couldn't immediately identify. I knew I didn't plant it, but I decided to let it continue to grow and figure out what it was. Weeks passed, and as I made my way back to the mystery plant, it appeared to be a sunflower. It was a spindly-looking, tall, skinny stalk, and there was only one head on it. I decided to baby it along and weed around it, and as I pulled rocks in the area to get to the weeds, I noticed something unusual. The sunflower had not started there. The stalk started under a large rock and had grown under and around the rock to reach the sun. And I thought to myself, if a tiny little sunflower doesn't want a big rock stand in its way of developing, then we too have the capability of doing the same thing. Once we, we, we look at, we believe in ourselves, like that little sunflower, we can attain the same nourishment and nurturing as the little flower. First, we need to believe in ourselves, knowing we have the capability to achieve our desires. Like the sunflower, it knew it had the capability to overcome, and it trusted in the universal truth and had faith that it would succeed. And you too need to stand tall like the sunflower, and be proud of who you are and what you are, and those around you will support you. You'll find a way to go up and around the life's uh, obstacles in order to reach your desires. So, until we meet again next week for more Get This Slow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.